There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg, South Africa. A warm welcome to everybody. In our, in the range of my voice and thank you so much for tuning in to Chai FM for this very, very special broadcast. Why special? Because it's Friday afternoon and it's Erev Shabbos and every time we get together, it is amazingly special and a wonderful opportunity to learn a little bit of Torah together and spend a few minutes as we prepare for Shabbos Kodesh Habaleinu Latoib. Of course, a very, very special Shabbos, Shabbos Pashas Yisroi, the week in which in the Pasha we recount the events that led up and then uh, took place during the giving of the actual Torah, the Matan Torah, which of course is our our bread and butter. It's what gives us in existence. It's what makes us what we are. It's what gives us our, our mandate and our operating instructions for how to live our lives. Well, let's talk a moment about the actual readiness, about the preparation for, for Matan Torah. Chazal tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu added on an extra day of preparation to Matan Torah. Hashem requested from Bnei Israel the Kidashtam Hayyim Umachar, prepare yourself today and tomorrow. Moshe Rabbeinu went and added an extra day of preparation. Hashem gave the Torah after Moshe Rabbeinu's added day, which conveyed the message that he agreed with Moshe's decision, as Rashi says. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu feel it necessary to add on to the instructions of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right, of only a requirement of, of, of two-day preparation? So uh, there are various explanations that are given as to why Moshe Rabbeinu would have done that. Some of us explain that it was to demonstrate the power of the Torah Shabbat of the Chachamim, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, can, can fall in line and, and, and go along with what the Chazal say, and, you know, they can declare the reality of what is happening in, in, in the world. Let's perhaps suggest a couple of ideas that might, that might give us a little bit of a, a muscle, a little bit of a, an attempt to kind of push us in, in the right, in the right direction. So the reality is that to retain any kind of qualitative mitzvah fulfillment, one has to prepare oneself for it and think about the significance of the avodah he's about to perform. It's one of the reasons why Chachamim instituted the saying of a bracha prior to the fulfillment of any of any mitzvah. By making preparations before one fulfills any mitzvah, one allows himself the possibility of kind of thinking about and infusing this mitzvah with with a bit of kedusha, with a bit of freshness, with a bit of enthusiasm, without which it would just fall into the category of rote and, and kind of the habitual conduct that we do all the time. However, unfortunately, even the preparation can sometimes become rote, right? As we say, sometimes brachas, Hashem made brachas, Chazam made a bracha before the performance of a mitzvah to give us a chance to excite us, to get us going. And that's why they were instituted. Unfortunately, now, nowadays, even, even the making of, 
of brachas have become like almost mechanical and, and we recite brachas without any concentration, without any kind of feeling. So what's Maravachna? What, what, what are we supposed to do in order again to, to, to kindle that, that natural fire and get the neshama, get the neshama going before we do a mitzvah? So that's a real, it's a real problem that every person who is involved and interested in his own spiritual growth has to constantly grapple with in, in, in any way that, uh, that, that he can. In fact, the, I mean, I saw the, the, the minig of Chachamim, why when we start a zimun, right, uh, uh, in, in the standard text, uh, the, the, the language is that we say Rabbi Sain and it was a, a, a later change that we say it actually in some communities in Yiddish, where we say Rabbi Sain Mavilin Benshin. And again, it's, it's the same kind of concept. The Birchas Zimun was in fact instituted by the Chachamim, as a preparation for the mitzvah, Birchsam wasn't, Birchsam wasn't, it's a mitzvah, Doraisa is a Torah mitzvah, we need to be aroused, we need to wake up, we need to say it as if we're not, as if we're not falling asleep. So the whole purpose of the, of the Zimun was to give us a chance to perk up and, 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 and get ready. Something's happening, something big is happening, a mitzvah is happening. But unfortunately what's happened since then, this is a mitzvah that we do often, so it also eventually became kind of rote and habit and, and became viewed merely as a, as an overture, as a kind of a long, uh, an extension to the, to the uh, benching and obviously then losing its entire identity of being a, a preparation for the benching. So the, the changing of the language from the Hebrew to the Yiddish was just another attempt to kind of somehow Light a fire or something. Hey, what's going on? Why are we speaking Yiddish? In the introduction of Benjamin was somehow to awaken us, to arouse us that we should get ready and, and take a deep breath and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of get ourselves in focus as we are about to start, to start the mitzvah. Cause that's what's really, really important in order to make a mitzvah of value so that we're, we're ready to, to, uh, to, uh, to do it. So Moshe Abenu, Moshe Abenu added a day of preparation for Matan Torah with Hashem's command to prepare for two days in advance. So th- that itself contained almost a twofold, a twofold challenge. Again, the commandment of preparation could be looked as one of two ways. Either it can be looked upon as part of the Matan Torah and not as a preparation to it. And, uh, and, and therefore, and, and that's one uh, sort of issue, and another kind of hurdle to those who say of preparation is the Chazal that says that a person <coughs> who's commanded to perform mitzvah, right? Someone who's commanded to do something is greater than one who does it as a spirit of volunteerism. And Tosis explains that when one is commanded to do something, goes straight away. The Yitzhahara kicks in and says, why should you do it? Who says you do it? What? He says you should do it. I'll tell you not to do it. So it is automatically is a conflict situation. And when a person is able to overcome the Yitzhahara and his full bag of tricks where he's trying to come in and, and pervert from doing the mitzvah, that is greater than a person who does it because, because he, uh, he, uh, he wants to. If you perform mitzvah when he is not commanded to do so, so then the Yitzhahara doesn't 
kind of invest so much energy to stop such a such a mitzvah since uh, anyway it's only going to get a a kind of booby prize kind of because uh, you're not commanded really to 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 do it so Moshe felt that it was necessary to add this extra day preparation which originated from man from us ourselves thereby separating the preparation from being perhaps mistakenly thought of as that it's part of Matantara itself as the preparation remains a preparation and not kind of lost in, in, in the forest of Matantara itself. So perhaps that's going to uh, 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 inspire greater devotion, greater excitement, greater kabbana, greater kedusha for the mitzvah of Kabbalah Satara. A, a preparation that came from man, from Moshe Rabbeinu, also kind of almost protects right the preparation for being kind of stymied and, and, and almost put out and extinguished by, by the Yetzirah because, again, he's not Mutsu voice, so Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us to do it, and therefore there's a greater chance of, of success. Perhaps a, a second thought is, you know, regarding the thought, why, why do we have 49 days of Sphiris Omer preparation before, before Matan Torah? So, the interpretation is given that in the mission of Ovis, we talk about the 48 prerequisite ways that one needs to acquire in order to be able to acquire Torah. The first 88 days are designated to make all these acquisitions. One on each day, you work through all these different midot to get them. The 49th day is to realize that after 48 days, of working, of industriously putting our effort into, into acquiring all of these traits, we haven't even yet begun to prepare for this amazing and, and, and colossal, uh, uh, otherworldly gift that our Kurdish Baruch is giving us. And as, almost as, as paradoxical as it sounds, only with the stark realization of our inadequacy, are we now really ready to receive to receive the Torah? And the same same concept. I think we 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 say every week when we say Nishmas, we say to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, if our throats were full of song as the oceans, and our lips are as wide as as the heavens, and our eyes are as brilliant as the sun, and our tongues abundant with song like the like the waves of the sea, we would be totally inadequate and unable to praise Hakadosh Baruch Hu for your unending kindness to us. And then, in the very next sentence, after we finish stating our declaration of in total. Uh, 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 inefficiency to be able to do this, we say almost in the same breath that with all the limbs that you created us, we are going to praise and thank and bless and elevate and accept your kingship and bring out your holiness, etc., etc. We just said we can't do it. The answer, of course, is exactly, exactly that. That the moment we realize that we are void of any power that could ever come near to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even for one iota, then, in fact, we are given the permission to do our very best and, and within our capabilities to be able to praise, to be able to praise the, the, the Rabbanishlam. Moshe Rabbeinu felt 
that we shouldn't be deceived into thinking that it is within our human uh, 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 kind of means to sufficiently prepare for Matan Torah and, and the revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu at Hasina, even if HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands us to do so. The extra day of preparation is like that 49th day of, of the Sfira by which we come to liberalization. They guess that even after two days of doing what Hashem wants, we haven't even begun to prepare ourselves for, for, for Shavuos. And then we have to start, start, uh, 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 again. And that's the same thing. We go through a whole process of tefillah. And as we climb this incredible, incredible ladder, and we start with, with, with the, with the karbonus, the brachas hashachar, and, and, and then the karbonus, and we go into psuke the zimra songs of, 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 of praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then the blessings around the Kriyashima, and the Kriyashima itself, and then we talk about Yitzhiz and saying, we are ready! And then we say, Hashem's for sight of Tach. Hashem, you open my, my lips and praise you. I don't have the ability to say a word to you. I don't have a ability to, to couch in any kind of terms the praise for you. And then we're able to say this one. I say one more little concept and then we'll, fin- we'll finish off with some Hilchas Yontav. But we're going to the shops. This is 1.9. Chai FM, soul to soul on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. <laughs> There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg, Arab Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Yisrael, you are really waiting to know the important times you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So tonight, candlelighting is still at the Johannesburg prescribed summertime, which is quarter past six. The latest time for lighting the licht, if you really are kind of stuck in a bind, is at 6.33, 27 minutes before seven. Shkia this evening is at 6.51, nine minutes before seven o'clock, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow evening at twenty-three minutes past seven, and uh, it's a regular Shabbos. The laning, as we said, is Parshas Yisro. The Haftarah is the normal Haftarah for Parshas Yisro. Next week we start getting busy already with the special lanings that come up in preparation for Purim and uh, that other word that I'm not going to mention for fear of causing. Any, any, uh, any panic. Just one more idea on the concept of, of, uh, of preparation. We know that the first sin of man, the sin that happened in Gan Eden, where they ate from the Eitzadas. So, in, on one level, that happened because Adam ad- added a, a non-prescribed uh, attachment to the commandment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem told Adam not to eat from the particular tree. However, Adam added on in his instructions to have a, a safeguard to distance herself from eating the fruit. And that was the prohibition not to even touch the tree or its fruits. The problem was that he didn't tell her that touching the tree was something that was added by him and wasn't part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's instruction. 
the, the Nachash being aware of Adam's communication to Chava, so uh, uh, concerning this added Chumrah of not even come in contact with the tree, so he was able to sort of cash in on the opportunity to intentionally push Chava against the tree. When it's malicious and uh, and and uh, kind of despicable character, by doing so, he proved that just as she didn't die by transgressing the command of Hashem not to touch the tree, she wouldn't die either by transgressing the prohibition of eating from from the tree. Convinced of the Nachash's uh, reasoning and, and logic, so to speak, she partook from the Eitzadas and, of course, gave some to her Adam as well, and that brought the world to where we are today. So, based on this explanation of the cause of man's first uh, uh, failing from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Chazal say in Sanhedrin, Kol HaMoysif Goreya, anyone who adds, in reality distracting. And therefore, to bring a full kind of tikkun to the Chait of Eitzadas, which of course is what occurred at Matan because it says Poskazuamosan that uh, they no longer had the the bite of the snake, they no longer were even subject to death. So Moshe Benu reenacted this conduct of adding, but made sure that this time it was not in any way a detraction, but just the opposite. Therefore, Moshe added on a day of preparation without. First, Asna Kadosh Baruch Hu, uh, uh, about it, which was similar to what Adam did, adding on besides what the prohibition of Hakadosh Baruch Hu had been not to eat from the tree, but Adam added on also the iser of not of not touching the tree without telling Chava about it. But with this addition, Yisrael became greater prepared for Matan Torah, and not only did it not detract from the initial. Statement that was made by Hashem, but it actually reinforced it as a, as a, as well. So it's a couple of ideas about why preparation for for a mitzvah is so important. We are learning the laws of Yom Tov. We're dealing with some of the important issues where the of the similarities and contrasts between the laws of Shabbos and the laws of Yom Tov. The, the many areas where the Chazal have made certain, uh, uh, certain prohibitions, certain gezerot, certain decrees. So in many of them, so of course, Shabbos and, and Yontav are exactly the, the same, except we said for those things that are regarding per preparation of food for the meals we're going to eat on, on Yontav, so on Shabbos, those activities are forbidden, and they are permitted on uh, on Yontav. And even when it comes to things that are rabbinically forbidden, so Yontav is the same as as uh, as Shabbos. There are, however, some areas where Shabbos is slightly stricter than Yontav, and that would be that on Shabbos, we said, if a person goes wantonly and intentionally and breaks Shabbos by doing one of the uh, Amalachot, and there were witnesses who warned him uh, about what he was doing, he would be liable to the death penalty 
by Bezin, he would be stoned. And if he did it uh, on purpose without realizing that today was Shabbos or that this particular activity was forbidden on Shabbos, he would have to bring a, a sin offering. However, on, on Yom Tov, the person goes even intentionally and does one of the activities that is forbidden on Yom Tov, he gets punished by 39 lashes. And if he did it inadvertently, he wasn't aware that this is forbidden, so then he doesn't have to bring even a uh, a, a carbon chata. So in that area, Shabbos is a little bit stricter. However, in contrast to that, there are certain situations where Yom Tov, actually the laws of Yom Tov come out a little bit more strict than, than Shabbos. Why? Because since on Yom Tov you're allowed to do things that are necessary for food preparation, so we worry that a person might, through that dispensation, come to do forbidden malachas. We don't know necessarily what what Chazal allowed, what not. People could come to go overboard and do things that are not allowed to be done in Yom Tov. And therefore, Chazal saw fit to be stricter in certain areas on on uh, on Yantav. in the same way as we said they were stricter as regards the laws of 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 Muktza because there's some things that you could use on Yantav because they are either edible or things that can be made edible on Yantav, but on Shabbos that wouldn't apply and therefore there are additional items that are Muktza on Yantav that are not Muktza on on Shabbos and since there are some areas where Shabbos is stricter, and some areas where Yom Tov is stricter. So, anywhere in Halacha where it doesn't say explicitly that there is a differentiation between the laws regarding Shabbos and Yom Tov, so then we assume as as the default status that the laws of Yom Tov are exactly the same as the laws of of Yom Tov. And our status is we're going to go shopping, and then we're going to come back and spend a little more time about the Gezeris of Chachamim. Don't run away yet. Please stay tuned for another few minutes. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. We're coming back right away. There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 Chai FM. <laughs> 101.9 Chai FM. We're back on your radio here in Johannesburg. Another few minutes left till we have to go up to the races and get our own Shabbos ready. We're talking about the areas in the, in the realm of the Gezerot of the Chachamim, of our rabbis, that apply both to the laws of Shabbat and the laws of Ayant. Let's just run through quickly some of them that we've, we've dealt with in detail when we did the laws of Shabbos. Obviously, one cannot climb a tree. That applies both on Shabbos and Yontif. And same, you can't ride on any kind of animal. That's universal. Uh, you can't swim either on Shabbos or, or Yontif. You can't play any musical instrument on either Shabbos or Yontif because we're worried you might come to fix the, the instrument. So we don't, uh, uh, dance on Shabbos or Yontif in, in any manner where you could, again, uh, uh, want to fix up instruments to accompany the the dancing. Uh, we don't have any any uh, judgments. The Bezdin doesn't doesn't sit on a Shabbos or Yontav and adjudicate cases. 
uh, we don't get married or divorced on either Shabbos or or Yom Tiv. We don't, in the case of Yibum, we don't do Leverite marriages. We don't do Chalitza. We don't uh, 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 do not donate anything to the Beit Hamikdash on on Shabbos or Yom Tiv. We don't separate the tithe, the strumas or maestros that need to be separated from from uh, a food. However, let's say one who bakes on Yom Tov, which obviously is not permissible on Shabbos, would have to separate the challah separation from his from his dough. And also the laws of what we call a shvus, of what of being able to tell a non Jew to do work for you is forbidden as forbidden on Yom Tov as it is on a Shabbos, which which means to say that anything that a Jew himself couldn't do, even if it's only a rabbinic prohibition, still it's forbidden for a non-Jew for for a Jew to ask a non-Jew to do that activity for for him. But that applies both to Shabbos and to Yontif. As uh, obviously, unless we're talking about something that's necessary for a mitzvah or some other great need, or there's some suffering that's going on, then we said you could ask a non-Jew to do something forbidden if that activity is forbidden by uh, by rabbinic sources. Then you'd be allowed to do that because that the then the if the non-Jew does the work for him, so. It's only then him doing the prohibition for you as itself, only a rabbinic uh, uh, prohibition, and therefore since you're only asking him to do a rabbinic prohibition, that becomes a shvus de shvus, a double, a double jabonon, and it is, it is, it is mut. Uh, as far as food consumption is concerned, in the same way the Torah allows you to do certain actual Malachas on Yom Tov for food preparation. So too, Chazal allowed the uh, certain certain uh, things for a non-Jew to do. For example, Chazal were lenient, and uh, you would be allowed if, let's say, you're shechting an animal on Yom Tov, you're allowed to take the hides and leave it on a floor in a place where people will uh, walk on it, so that you can begin the processing. Of, of the heights, that, that's not your real attention, or I'm allowed to uh, to open you or even remove, let's say, the door of a of a cupboard which contains food or things that I need for my yont of meals. That would be that would be allowed, and under certain conditions, it might even be allowed to put that door back on a on a kind of non permanent type of way so that they don't steal all the food that's in the in the left in the in the in the cupboard. Uh, we also were allowed to sort of put together in a non permanent way a a table or a chair which one needs for the meal on on uh, Yantiv, even though these things would are completely forbidden on Shabbos because we're worried you might do it professionally and and uh, put them together in a more permanent way. On Yantav Chazal were, were, were more lenient because you need to sit somewhere when you have your, when you have your Shabbos meal. Now, there is another opinion that in the same way as our Chazal, uh, uh, forbade to have any benefit from work done, uh, in violation of the laws of, 
of Shabbos, so too it's forbidden to have any benefit from any work that's done on uh, in violation of the law on uh, on Yantav. And some say that since generally the laws of Yantav are slightly more lenient, it's only it's only a lav, it's only an avera, not a chiv skila. So Chazal did not forbid to have benefits from any work that was done on uh, uh, in violation of the law on on Yantav. But everyone agrees that if uh, the malacha was done. Uh, if the melacha that was done in prohibition is a melacha that is that is uh, allowed for for food consumption, then there wouldn't be any any uh, prohibition at all to have benefit from it. That's about all the time we're going to have today. Please God, Be'ez Hashem, we should be zeicher to have another week, another opportunity to learn some Torah together. Just thank you all for being with us. Thank you for being part of our amazing, amazing radio family, the great Soul to Soul show that's on from Monday to Friday from 1 to 3. All kinds of amazing, amazing Torah insights and history and law and philosophy. Just, just grab it all up and, and, and eat it and, and, and digest it. It's, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. And again, just thank you for tuning in. All just go home and have an amazing, amazing Shabbos together. It is the Shabbos of Matan Torah. Go hear the Aserah Sederus. Go get tuned in. Go get inspired. Let's make this Shabbos an amazing one for all of us. Thank you and a good Shabbos for one and all.